Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word... There will be people that bow to Jesus now. That's every believer. Every one of us here that's a worshiper of Jesus, we bowed already. Amen? We'll prostrate ourselves on, our, on the ground, lay out before Jesus. We recognize that He is all that and we are nothing. He is the Savior. He is the Lord. He is our God. He is He gets all that now from us. And we'll be glad to continue to give it to Him all throughout eternity. But for those who won't, those who won't acknowledge it now, those who won't worship Him now, we're told in Philippians that a day is coming. Every knee will bow. Not everyone sees Jesus for who He is, like we as Christians do. Although we make an effort to persuade others to experience and perceive Jesus' love in their lives, not everyone shares the same feelings. However, does that imply that they would never be able to witness Jesus' greatness and glory? Pastor Bill explains today how everyone will be able to see Jesus in this world. People will finally see Jesus in His second coming and bow down to His presence even though they do not believe in his name. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 5. As he continues his message, every knee shall bow. Now, some of your newer guys are all saying, well, we think that this might better be said to have been the blue blonde plague. Let me tell you why I stand with these things. I'm not one for explaining away, you know, what I see clearly, you know. I'm not looking for a natural reason when God says, I struck them with this. Ain't got to be no blue blonic plague. Ain't got, we technically, even though the guy, I, I studied this, right? The guys that are arguing that, we have no evidence that the blue blonic plague existed this early in history or that there's ever any evidence of it. I think some guys just like this. They like the, They want to clean it up a bit. It's, it's a little gross and a little disgusting and a little like, I don't know. It's just, I don't want to say that. I'm not that pastor. So I, they, they got struck with hemorrhoids. They got tumors and they, and they, 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 and they hidden places. And God is hitting them where it hurts. That's that. I'm I'm rolling with that interpretation. If you have a problem with it, it's okay. I, I, you know, we won't. We, it don't change heaven or hell for nobody. But that's what I'm reading, and we'll continue reading on here. So God hit them with some. His hand was heavy upon them. He hit them with these tumors, uh, both Ashdod and his territory. So all around Ashdod, all the people are getting hit with this. It says in verse seven, and when the men of Ashdod saw how it was, they said, the ark of the God of Israel must not remain with us, for his hand is harsh towards us, and Dagon our God. So, hear this, they understand God is doing this to us. They're not confused. They're like, man, God is doing this to us. Anybody here ever been chastened by the Lord and you knew God was doing it to you? Anybody? I have had some times in my life where I knew Beyond the shadow of a doubt, God's getting me and he's getting me for that. I knew I knew what I had done when I had done it. And I'm like, God, all right, God got me uncle or, or father. You know, um, you, you don't resist the chasing of the Lord. You don't get mad at the chasing of the Lord. You just repent. God and here. Here's the positive part of the chasing of the Lord. At least, you know, you're his because God only spanks his own kids. Amen. You know, so when he chases us, there's a sense that we know. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know what that is. I know exactly what I did. God, I'm sorry. I repent. Forgive me. You got me. I, I, you're not plumb, You're not to be played with. You're to be revered. You're to be feared. Here, these people that don't know the Lord, 
and they're worshiping other gods. God's like, now you know, I'm not to be toyed with. They are. They know that their God has been humble. They said, look, this the God of Israel. This ark can't remain with us because the God of Israel is harsh towards us because we got these tumors going on. Everybody's having a hard time going potty. And we got these, you know, and towards our God, he broke our God, right? He, he ruined the temple of Dagon in this area of Ashdod. He ruined it. It ain't, it, ain't, it ain't popping no more. It's not the hot spot to go worship anymore. And so they say, we got to get him out of here. Now, I wish that wasn't the response, right? You, you wish they would look and say, man, we want, how do we get in favor with the God of Israel? How do we get right with the God of Israel? Instead, they do what a lot of people do. You know what I just want? Just get just get God away from me. That's what people do, right? When there are people that when they, they know they know God is real, and but they don't want to yield to him. They don't want to submit to him. They want to do their own thing. And so they just say, just get away from me. I don't, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to read the Bible. And if you are the person that represents God to those people, you're going to get the Heisman. You get away from me. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to see you. Can I tell you that as a pastor, that's that's my reality. And some, with some people, they know who I am, what I stand for, what I believe, what I represent. So when they don't want to do it, they're like, Choo. you know, they putting on sunglasses, visors, you know, they putting on extra double masking so they can't you can't see them and they can't see you. They don't want to be known by you, you know. And so that's what they do to the Lord. I, I thought of the story in Mark. If you're taking notes in Mark five, there was the guy that was demon possessed in the Gadarenes. And he was there and, it's, and all, all these things the scripture said about him. He was cutting himself. He was naked. He was in the tomb. They were binding him up with shackles. He would break them. You know, they, they couldn't contain him. They couldn't restrain him. Um, and, and, you know, just said all these terrible things about this guy. And then Jesus gets off the boat, goes over to him. And the guy is possessed with multiple demons, a legion of demons. And he starts crying out to the Lord. He gets delivered of his demons. He gets all the demons are cast out of him. And God does a miracle in this man. So he had terrorized the community for I don't know how long, you know, for however long he had been there. He just the community was terrorized by him. But now it says the man who was naked and cutting himself and crazy and breaking chains. Now it says that he was sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed with clothes on and in his right mind. And here's the response of the people, because when Jesus cast the demons out of the man, the demon said, can you send us into those swine? There was an illegal pig business going on over the hill. And they, the, the, the demon said, can you throw us into those swines? Just don't send us to hell forever yet, you know? And Jesus said, yeah, we cast them into the swine. And all the swine ran off the cliff and died. And so the men of the town, when they saw it, instead of being amazed at this transformed life, this man that was crazy, right, was now clothed in his right mind. I mean, he's changed. And they said to Jesus in Mark 5, 17, they pleaded with him. Can you get out of here? Get out of here. Get out. You imagine that? And Jesus said, sure. Yeah, you don't want me here. I want to be here. And he left. Imagine Jesus coming to town. You have access to the king of kings, the Lord of lords, second person of the Trinity. You tell him because some bacon died to leave. I don't like bacon that much. I mean, you know, I, I'll get a cow in, you know, but I mean, imagine asking him to leave. That's what they did. Ah, we don't want this. And they asked him to leave. These guys here had an opportunity. You, you have, they're having an encounter with the living God rather than turn to him. They're like, man, get this thing out of here. Get it out of here. Get it out of here. Get it gone. Verse eight, it says, therefore, they sent and gathered to the, together, gathered uh, to themselves all the lords of the Philistines and said, what shall we do with the ark 
of the God of Israel. So they got to have a meeting to figure out what do we do with this ark thing? They're not believers. They don't know much about the ark. They thought they had got a nice little trophy from Israel. They realized they got more than they bargained for. This is not just some trophy. This thing is it doesn't just represent the presence of God. It seems like God's presence is responding to what we do with this thing. And we need to get it out of here. We want to get the ark out of here. Once again, I would challenge us that as believers, we want to press into the presence of the Lord. Amen. We don't want to run away from where it feels like God's moving over there. It feels like God's presence is there. It seems like God is doing. We don't repel from that. We are weird. We run to that like flies to light at night. You know, we want to get all over that. Right. We don't want to run away from where God is doing stuff. We want to run to it. And I want to encourage you guys in that, especially in the times like this. There's so much negative going on. We want to repel from some of that junk. But the relationships that you have that you find, hey, these relationships encourage me with the, in the Lord. Run towards those relationships. The people that you get with and you say, man, when I get with this person, we just we just get going about Jesus and the word. It just I walk away edified. You need to go seek that out. What, you know, if it's church fellowship, if it's gathering together with everyone, if it's certain individuals, we want to seek out those scenarios that cause us to be drawn near to the presence of the Lord. We definitely don't want to get away from it. And so um, I know this has been a unique time with, you know, church outdoors and or church online and all these different types of things. But make sure that you're doing everything you can do to be where God's moving. Not, not, God, I'm not trying to get away from what you're doing. I want to be all over it. I want to be close to it. I can tell you this, even as, as a pastor, some people think it's a, a pastor. You're always in the word. But you know what? There's something so encouraging and supernatural about fellowship. A couple weeks ago, um, I got invited. There was a group of pastors. They were meeting up in um, Murrieta for some prayer. And the guy called and said, hey, um, why don't you come up for the day? And just we're just praying a uh, bunch of stuff. They're you know, praying about it, whatever. And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah I'll come up. And yeah, I just went up. There's a bunch of guys I know them. I love them. I care about them. Some of them I know. Some of these guys I don't know. But I got up there and just spent the whole day. It, it, it it's like it set my whole life in, and it, it was so good for me spiritually just to be in an environment that was just Jesus. There was no mess. There was no talk of all the stuff I'm sick of. Nobody was talking about that. We were talking. There was prayer requests. There was praise report. There was what God is doing. There's praying for what we hope God will do over here. And I left there so encouraged and so built up just having been with some of Jesus's people and praying and talking and fellowshipping and worshiping and praying and all of that. So, man, we need it. We need it. You know, I, 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 I got to, you know, I'm reminded how I just need to I need to find those times, and those opportunities to do those things uh, because they build us up. Uh, they encourage us. We definitely don't want to be ducking those opportunities. Hey, you want to come? I'm busy. You know, you, you don't want to be missing those opportunities. You want to go to them and be encouraged. So now verse uh, eight, again, it says they, they uh, gather themselves together on the lords of the Philistines to say, what do they what do we do with the ark of the God of Israel? And then it says they answered, let the ark of God, the God of Israel, be carried away to Gath, who we know comes from Gath. Uh huh. So I just 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 throwing out this. Let's send it to one of the other towns to Gath and says. So they carry the ark of God. They carried the ark of the God of Israel away. Verse nine. So it was after they carried away that the hand of the Lord was against the city with a very great destruction, and he struck the men of the city both small and great, and tumors broke out on them. Again, God's not done with these tumors. 
Uh, they're breaking out on the people, um, even still. Great destruction is coming against them. Therefore, they sent the ark of God to Ekron. So look, everywhere the ark shows up, God is like, I'm smacked. These are my, God's like, y'all got my presence in the hands of my enemies. The Philistines are God's adversaries and God is smiting them, striking them. Uh, everywhere it goes, tumors are breaking out on everybody and their people are small and great. There's no way to get away from it. It's just coming upon you. And this, this is amazing to me, right? If God is going to do something to you, can you escape it? And nothing you can do. That's why we should fear God, right? If God is going to do something to you, there's nothing you can do to escape it. There's nothing you can, there's nobody you can go to. There's no higher power, right? He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's, if he set his mind to do something to you, there's no one who you can go to to get it undone. You can't say that about anybody but the Lord, right? The devil can say, I intend to do this to them. And God can say, nah, I want, I'm not going to let you do it. Right? Because he's the king of kings. He has the authority to say, nah, not going to be able to do it. I'm not going to let you do that. He can stop it. No one else has. That's why we need to be clear. That who do I need to be in relationship with? Jesus. The one that's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. That's, that's the authority above all spiritual authority and otherwise. And so everywhere the ark went, the people were struck with these tumors, broke out all over them. Again, we believe these tumors are hemorrhoids. And in their unpleasant places. And so verse 10, it says, therefore, they sent the ark of God to Ekron. So it was as the ark came to Ekron that the Ekronites cried out. They heard already. They said, hey, we heard about this thing. They, they have brought the ark of God of Israel to us to kill us and our people. So they sent and gathered together all the lords of the Philistines and said, send away the ark of the God of Israel and let it go back to its own place so that it does not kill us and our people. So they decide, look, this, let's, let's just give it back. Let's get the Ark of God. I don't, we don't want this on any of our territories. Let's give it back. Let's give the Ark of God. Let's give it back to, to them. Um, put it back in its own place so that it does not kill us and our people. For again, these weren't, it wasn't like they were just getting hemorrhoids. People were also dying. So they were, it was disgusting, painful, and it was resulting in death everywhere that it went. And so they're saying, okay, okay, that's enough. We, we, we don't want this trophy no more. Send it back. Uh, I don't know if you ever, you know, won something you didn't want. You know, I don't want to get it out of here. Uh, for a little while, um, I worked for a little while doing pest control with, uh, um, that was one of the jobs when we first planted the church. I, I was blessed for a while to work with one of my buddies doing pest control and, we would go places where people had, um, you know, we did bed bug infestation uh, cleanings. I don't know if you guys know how disgusting bed bugs are and how they spread. Uh, but one of the main ways that bed bugs spread is when people buy used furniture. So if you buy and use beds, used couches, and you don't know how to inspect them, um, you might be buying it from somebody else that's saying, I, I, every time I sit on this couch, I'm getting bit up. I'm getting put that thing on Craigslist and sell it. And now you bring it home and you got critters in, in, in there and they get inside the walls and everything else. Well, one time we went to this house and this was probably the nicest home I've ever walked in. It was pristine. It was I'm like, how do they have bed bugs in this house? I mean, you would walk in a house and think I don't think there's a I don't think this house has ever seen a roach. I don't think ants don't even go in this house. You know, it was an immaculately beautiful house. And lo and behold, it was. Uh, a, a, it was a, a, one of the kids' friends spent the night, and it started off in the daughter's room. 
And then they was on the daughter. And then they went from the daughter's room and she was hanging out in her brother's room. And they got in there. And then it was on the couch downstairs. Well, now this massive house was all infested. And it's like, I mean, I remember being there and, and it was like, wow, this, this is, I, mean, I was blown away. You know, because the, the, the best way to get rid of it is to throw everything away. Like the, they get inside the, the crevices is throw all the furniture that's been affected, throw it away. If not, there'll be multiple treatments to hopefully get rid of the thing. But I've seen people throw away expensive beds that because they were getting bit up and they were like, what do I have to get rid of? Throw it out. Throw that mattress out. Throw the couch out. Throw it. I did. I bought it, but it's no longer. I don't want it anymore. That's what has happened with the art to these guys. They, they didn't get bit by bed bugs. They got hemorrhoids and, and much worse in it. And they just I mean, we get just get it out. We don't want it anymore. It's no longer the trophy and the prize that it was to us when we first got our hands on it. And so they, they sent it away. Uh, they said, let's send it away back to its own place that no more of us die uh, from this. And so it says now in verse the end of verse 11. Send away the ark of the God of Israel. Let it go back to its own place so that it does not kill us and our people. For there was a deadly destruction throughout all the city. And again, and the hand of God was very heavy there. And again, uh, we got the image of God's hand just heavy upon these people. Verse 12 now. And the men who did not die were stricken with the tumors and the cry of the city went up to heaven. So if you weren't blessed to die, Right. Then you were struck with the tumor. So you either died or you were in torment. So imagine if all the men in these towns have been touched by God, the hand of God upon them. Either he touched you to death or you got that other situation going on and you are in pain and life is pretty disgusting for you. Um, that's where they have ended. And so I got a few things and we'll, we'll continue in this. But I, I'm going to stop there. For now. I want to I want to give us a few thoughts in in the way of conclusion of this. Number one, I titled the message Every Knee Will Bow for this reason. Um, the Philistines weren't wanting, they weren't honoring God or his people, but they are, they are, they're forced to, right? They're brought into a position, they're brought into a humble place where they're afraid. They're like, they've humbled themselves now saying, okay, 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 okay. We, we can't keep this ark thing, give it back. They weren't humble in the beginning. They took the ark of God and set it up next to their God as though they had defeated him. Though they didn't humble themselves by choice, they've been humbled by defeat. You guys see that? And that's exactly what's going to happen to people in, in eternity. There'll be people that bow to Jesus now. That's every believer. Every one of us here that's a worshiper of Jesus, we bowed already. Amen. We'll prostrate ourselves on, our, on the ground, lay out before Jesus. We recognize that he is all that and we are nothing. He is a savior. He is the Lord. He is our God. He is he gets all that now from us. And we'll be glad to continue to give it to him all throughout eternity. But for those who won't, those who won't acknowledge it now, those who won't worship him now, we're told in Philippians that a day is coming. Every knee will bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Everyone will eventually submit themselves to him. It's best if we do it this side of eternity. It's also best if we submit to God before. God, I don't need your hand to be heavy upon me. Um, because even as children of God, right, if we disobey, God's hand can be heavy upon you. I, I've seen it. I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in other people's lives where I've seen where people that I know knew better, didn't do better. And I've seen God with what the heavy hand of God looks like. It's no joke. God's not to be played with. 
So we want to just be in a position of life of just submission and surrender to the Lord. We want to have healthy fear of the Lord. He should be feared. He's not to be played with. He's not a joke. Uh, he's to be reverenced and worshipped and adored and loved and everything else, but not to be played with and not to be taken lightly. And so as you know, we see that we can bow voluntarily or God can bring us to the place of broken submission. I would just say that the best way to come to the Lord is in voluntary surrender to the Lord. That's the best way to come, just humbled and broken voluntarily before the Lord. I believe that that pleases him the most. And so that's the first thing. The next thing is this, that we would have no gods above him. The issue of the Philistines being a pagan nation, a pagan culture, they worship pagan gods that were not really gods at all. Their gods cannot help them. Their gods couldn't answer prayer. Their gods can't talk, walk. Their gods can't even get up when they get knocked down in the presence of Almighty God, right? Slain in the presence of the true and living God. He can't even get back up on his own because there's no life in their God. We want to be careful that we're not giving worship to something, someone that is not God. Check your own hearts. Everybody check your own hearts. Even as we, we, we close out, that's something to pray through and worship. God, is there anything in front of you? Is there anything in my life right now that you see as in front of you, as conflicting with you? I've been married to my wife for 23 years. And, you know, I've made this rule a long time ago concerning my wife and my family, because I'm in the ministry. There's a lot of things that are important that I get to do. But I've I've said this and I I stand by this. My wife, she's at the end of the line of people that I'm going to let down. So if I got to let people down, Right. My wife is last in line. Um, I'm going to let everybody else down before I let her down. Um, and my kids are right there with her. I'm, I'm not letting my family down in order to please everybody else. That's I've seen that model. I've seen ministry done that way. And I just thought I'm not going to do that because um, all these other people I let down. I'm just a pastor. They, this somebody else could be the pastor. I only I only I could be her husband. Only I could be their daddy. So I got to be I got I got to not be letting those people down. That's that's important to me. And so I'm careful about that. I'm careful about what I take on, what I do, what I don't do, how it affects them. Uh, I consider all those things because I can't just tell them that hey, I, I, you guys are I put you guys the Lord is first and I put you guys right there. It's got to be demonstrated in my life. I, I believe that the same is true in our, our, our walk with the Lord. I can't just be telling God, God, you're number one. You're the first thing. God's like, no, I'm, I get kicked out the list quick. You wake up and it's like time for devotions and anybody texts you, you, you take the text but, but rather than spend the time with me. You get an alert, a ding, you do, I'm, Lord, be back maybe next week, you know. Um, and so we want to make sure that we give God that same kind of priority. God, nothing in front of you. Nobody more important than you. Nobody's in front of you. You're last in line to get let down in my life. And so um, and we want to that's something we have to be we have to be mindful of It's part of our worship. Um, and, and sometimes it costs us to live that way. But all worship costs something. So you've never worshipped anything, anyone that doesn't cost you. Worship is costly and it's okay. It should be. Lastly, I just remind you guys tonight that our God, Jesus, is truly the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Um, I love stories like this. I love the story of the prophets of Baal where he made a fool of you know, uh, the prophets of Baal. I love the stories like this where God puts the shame those that try to embarrass him or humiliate him. It just reminds us that there's none like our God. There's no authority or power above him. And so 
if you've wondered, am I in the right place? Am I with the right? Yes, you are. Yes, you're with the right God. Yes, you're in the right situation. Yes, it is Jesus. And there's none other than him. Continue to grow in your knowledge of him. Amen. So glad you've joined us today here on A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. We're currently in the book of 1 Samuel. Many of the childhood Bible stories stem from this book. David is a main character, and he came from humble means. He was a simple shepherd boy, but God had great things in mind for him. He was a musician also, and this served him well as he was able to help King Saul. But more than these occupational type of skills, David had a heart for God like no other. God refers to David as a man after his own heart. What a compliment coming from the very creator of everything. This doesn't mean that David was perfect. As we all know, he wasn't. But his heart was continually coming back to God, seeking help, asking for refuge, and coming back with a repentant heart. This is the type of heart God wants from each of us. Do you find yourself looking up to David and his character? If you'd like to learn more about David in 1 Samuel, feel free to listen to more teachings from this series on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. That's calvaryinglewood.org. A Transforming Word is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel Inglewood in Inglewood, California. Our time with you today is about up, but we encourage you to keep reading and studying this eventful book of the Bible. We're so grateful you took the time to listen today. And Pastor Bill will be back with more in the coming edition of 1 Samuel. Until then, keep your head in the Word and your heart close to God. Then, make sure to come back for another insightful edition of A Transforming Word.